0: Hi there! Welcome to episode 151 of the Waveback Music Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Matt. And we're here to listen to the most interesting video game music there is. This is a very special episode because we've been invited to participate in Masters of VGM, a collaborative effort between a number of fantastic VGM-related podcasts to highlight the very best in the business. This week we'll be covering a few of my favorite VGM artists and why I believe they should be revered as some of the best what they do. Welcome to Masters of VGM, Volume One. Well, hello, Matt. Hello, Chris. How you doing? I am good. How are you? I am also good. I am excited to listen to uh, listen to this. Uh, to to share my picks, and it was a, it was fun to try and put this stuff together.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean. Everybody knows I'm the guy that doesn't do homework, so this is really hard for me. <laughs> yeah, we were just
0: we were just right before we started recording. We were talking about your picks and trying to yep. narr- narrow a few of them down. Um, yeah. So just to kind of put this into, a, into some perspective, Masters of VGM is a month-long event designed to celebrate the best in the world of VGM by way of a whole bunch of podcasters. Matt and I were more than happy to participate, and I think I've come up with a, a pretty fun group of artists for my episode. Obviously, my list could be a whole lot bigger than four, but in the interest of sticking with the original concept of, Masters of the, VGM, uh, the Masters of VGM series, which was to decide who would be your quote-unquote VGM Mount Rushmore, uh, we decided to keep it to four composers per person. I split mine between two obvious favorites and two other favorites that I think had a tremendous influence on what VGM could be at their respective times in the industry. Uh, so each composer gets two songs, which also, uh, which was also pretty hard to narrow down for all of them, uh, but I did what my heart told me and, uh, we can get to work. So yeah, two, uh, two obvious choices for me. And I, you know, if you know me, the other two choices probably aren't that hard to, uh, they're on that, that far out on the limb, but I think I did a good job of justifying them being as part of my, uh, my VGM Mount Rushmore. It's, you know... I wish <laughs> I wish
1: I had the problem you did. You're like there's just too much. I mean there there is re- in reality. I just I'm just so bad with names and I'm so bad like remembering things and so I'm there's a there are points I play video games where I don't almost don't even notice the background music and I do a video game music podcast. Like what <laughs> the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> so, it's going to be an interesting you know journey here for me.
0: It's 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 certainly going to be an it's going to be an interesting journey all around. I'm uh I'm really excited to hear these other podcasts and and who else is getting chosen. Like I know there's going to be people picking Nobu Imatsu and uh, Yokoshimamura and did nothing but respect for them. Like they deserve it without a doubt. Uh, just coming down with four for myself is like it's a it was a, a bit of a bit of a tough one. Um, I'm actually just sent my picks into Bedroth on our Discord server so that he can update the website and whatnot. And uh, it seems that at least one of mine is on his list as well, which is pretty cool. So I
1: I think that's the part I enjoy the most about these kind of collaborative efforts is to really see what other people bring to the table. I remember when I was a kid, I hated doing science fairs, right? I just hated doing all that work and yada, yada. Nobody really cares how a stalactite is made, trust me. But... I like to see all the other presentations that, like, other students made. And I would intentionally walk around and just be in awe of it. Like, wow. So, the the collaborative effort's really kind of where I'm I'm most excited about. And then, yeah, of course, because there's going to be other composers that, you know, I don't know of. Or, oh, I didn't know that so-and-so did that. Holy, okay, mm-hmm. great. You know, it's the opportunity to expand my horizon is really... Um, the secondary exciting part of it so
0: yeah and i am also uh, i feel the same way and and also to be like uh why did they make their make their lists like what what made these besides i just really like their music what yeah. makes them worthy of this list so that's uh, a it's really really awesome
1: <laughs> there you go
0: all right well here we go i think it's time to get to work and yes. uh, we'll do my first pick so my first pick is probably the most obvious Uh, Of all possible picks for me... Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. My first pick is Hirokazu Tanaka. A.K.A. Hip Tanaka, A.K.A. Chip Tanaka. Either way, uh, Hirokazu Tanaka is... um, Really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's ever listened to this show before. Uh, (laughs) I adore this man's work, specifically his early Game Boy stuff. Um, He's done a whole lot with his career after he left nintendo uh he does a lot of really awesome chiptune related stuff but there's there is very few there are very few other composers i think that captured the the spirit of what it was to be a nintendo fan and the spirit of nintendo gaming at the beginning of the game boy's life than tanaka um you know everything from from uh balloon fight for nes and uh uh, dr mario all over the map like this guy's work is just insane um so picking two songs of from tanaka's catalog was a little tough but i think i did okay here just kind of showing the range my first pick is one that um it was the first song we ever listened to on this podcast i know i've brought it back time from time to time uh and it is pennsylvania (coughs) from balloon kid And I just think it is the most perfect Game Boy song ever written. (laughs) Uh, So uh, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Here is Pennsylvania by Hirokazu Hip Tanaka from Balloon Kid for Game Boy. Enjoy. Pennsylvania from Balloon Kid, one of my favorite Game Boy games. Uh, this song does d- it just does every everything right. It does all of my favorite things that can come out of a Game Boy speaker, uh, but it's also a really neat riff on uh, his previous work. You know, this is a sequel to Balloon Fight for NES, and his Balloon Fight uh, from the Balloon Trip stage. That that theme from that song is such a, a highly regarded work and this kind of takes the core or the bones of that and turns it into a much more expansive kind of a just, just outward song <laughs> very floaty and which is really what balloon kid d- does to balloon fight you know it's it takes that core concept and turns it into an, an adventure and it's it's just magical the the instrument choices the way they they uh They work together on that that high pitched uh, main melody, the way he brings the bass, bass line really high towards the end. I love that sound. He's such a good, so good at using that specific high pitched bass notes to really kind of bring this really warm feeling out of Game Boy music. I couldn't possibly love this song more. I think in our first episode, I said this is the perfect example of a song that reminds me of playing video games in the summer with the window open or something like it's just it's just perfection i could definitely hear
1: that um it's it's a really great little tune um you know i'll always talk about composition instrument choice stuff like that but for this one i want to dig into the uh to the actual depth of it there's um there's a nice light reverb on it, on that lead, uh, that lead line, mm-hmm. and it gives it just a nice space, so it makes it feel big, right? You said this was for um, Game Boy?
0: Yeah, original black and white Game Boy, yes, indeed.
1: It's crazy how those tracks can sound so massive on such a small scale, you know, and and it's a testament to the simple uh, tricks you know audio engineers can do to, I don't want to say fool the listener, but to, you know, leave an impression, to give you an idea, to create spatial uh, awareness and stuff. And this is it's just a prime example of just how impressive that Game Boy, uh, just get the Game Boy's audio system alone, you know, from, from soup to nuts is. Um, the piece itself is just fantastic. It's such a it's such like a happy jolly little tune like i i defy you to sit there and listen to it with a sourpuss you know what i mean right like so
0: hmm, joy (laughs) yeah
1: i i I, this is my first time maybe really hearing it um maybe in a while i don't know if, if my whole life was going down the tubes and i heard this i'd be like ah you know what yeah, maybe it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know. This this song's kind of doing it for me right now. You know what I mean? It's it's a really good piece of work. Obviously, you know, well accomplished composer. You know, it's we can gush about him for days. And and I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure other other um, podcasters will have you know other bits of music from him, and they'll say just the same stuff,
0: man. So yeah, I feel I would be surprised if I'm the only person who puts uh, Tanaka on the list. But I also would be, supr- I would be surprised if somebody else picked this tune uh, from all of his work. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Alright, well, my second uh, Hip Tanaka song is a bit of a different animal, but kind of a similar, I guess, similar core value to it. So, my second pick is actually from Smash Brothers for Wii U and this was him doing a remix of one of his earlier songs for Smash Brothers Uh, so this is Chill version 2 from Dr. Mario and this is a really cool modern take on his original song Chill from Dr. Mario the NES version specifically uh, is what he's messing with here and I just think it's a blast so uh, it's it's a really nice really nice image of what he uh, what he does now uh, like a more modern take on his classical formula, because it really just takes all these parts of the old versions and slaps them into the new. So, before be- yeah.
1: before we go listening to it, can I ask you one quick question? Absolutely. How many cold references are you going to stick in there? You didn't even notice. <laughs> did you? I didn't even know what I I said. You cool. did, And a blast. <laughs> 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 and I'm just sitting here and I'm counting them and. I don't know if the audience noticed, but I definitely noticed.
0: It was not intentional. Proceed. uh, (laughs) Wonderful. All right. (laughs) Well, here is chill version two from Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Enjoy. chill version two from super smash brothers for wii U. I uh i love the original version of this song and i just think this one's such a cool remix of it did it again not, <laughs> uh, there
1: you go uh, <laughs> i'm not a huge fan of um dr mario just as a game um but i do remember some of the music really sticking out uh one or two tracks here or there when i come across them i'm like that's inherently dr mario that has to be on the dr mario soundtrack and i'm usually right yeah there's Um, only like four songs in the game really yeah not a lot right which is probably why some of it actually has really stuck with me over the years because it's just over and over and over but um that i mean look i'm a big fan of remixes i love remixes i love mashups i love stuff I, i love when artists take art that's already established and then take it and do take it to another level take it to another place they see something different i love it and then for a composer such as himself to take one of his original pieces and then you know do a remix to it bring it into modern time so to speak with the the super smash brothers series like that's just great you know to, to be afforded that opportunity first and foremost right and then secondly on such a platform and you know in the day and age that we're in now where it's like my man the world is yours, you can do whatever it is you want you know whatever you may have originally heard but we're confined to the parameters of what you were working with we don't have that anymore go nuts you know what i mean like and that's just great
0: <laughs> yeah I agree and that is kind of what this seems like it's very it's a very go nuts approach to this song which is already kind of nuts to begin with like mm-hmm. the original version is pretty wacky but uh oh man I uh I don't know what else to say I just love it I just love it that's that's all you need man love is all you need huh. hey. well I have nothing but love for for Hip Tanaka. um absolutely a phenomenal career full of fantastic music Mm-hmm. And that means it is time for us to move on to my next pick for our Masters of VGM list. And my next pick is the fabulous Soyo Oka. All right. Uh, this woman has not, doesn't have a massive career like Tanaka. Uh, she didn't do a ton of music, but the stuff that she did was, I think, just extremely important. Um... Besides her super catchy tunes in like ice hockey for NES, Oka helped define what the sound of the Super Nintendo was with her early soundtracks with games like SimCity and Pilot Wings. She also composed possibly one of the most heard tunes in all of video games, the Super Mario Kart theme, which has been reprised in (laughs) some form in just about every Mario Kart game since, including the absurdly popular Mario Kart 8. So chances are, even if you don't know who she is, you've probably heard her music since she composed the original Super Mario Kart and that theme song just keeps coming back. Man, um, man. But her, her, her early SimCity, wings, that, that stuff on the Super Nintendo was so instrumental in what that system was to me. Uh, between her and Koji Kondo's uh, Super Mario World, like, they just kind of set this tone for what the Super Nintendo was innately capable of. Mm-hmm. And just kind of the feeling of... I, I don't know how else to explain to explain it just the feeling uh and it was it was pretty all over the map of what it was capable of but it just felt so much more modern than anything the nes could do at the, at the time so my first pick as far as like a song that i think does a great job of accomplishing showing off what the super nintendo could do that the nes couldn't do uh comes to us by way of sim city for super <coughs> nes which is uh, another uh, thing we've covered on this podcast mm-hmm uh a while back uh this is the capital theme by soya oka and it's a marvelous piece of music so enjoy Theme from Sim City, a uh, just strikingly beautiful piece of music, as most of the songs in Sim City for Super NES were. And uh, I don't know what you make of that one. <laughs> oh, I can make a hat or a sailboat. <laughs> um, look, first
1: of all, Sim City has such a special place in my heart. I'm such a huge fan of the franchise, right? When the first Sim City came out and was on PC, I was so upset because I never had I didn't have a PC, you know, for who knows how long, right? But once it put they put it on Super Nintendo, I was happier than a, a pig and slop. <laughs> um, and one of the one of the real reasons I think why I have such an affinity for the Super Nintendo SimCity is because of the music and because of that soundtrack is it that soundtrack is so part and parcel for me to the game. Um. Yeah,
0: it was there, really integral because there's a lot of watching in that game. You know, it's it's yes, it's, it's a more passive watching and waiting. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Your typical action right. game, right? So, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. There were times that I just turned the music off. You know, you can mute it or or what have you, and then I put on whatever you know band I was into or whatever. But but truthfully, I keep coming back to that soundtrack. It's just um, it's <laughs> And, and I mean this, I mean this honestly with the most, like, uh, praise, but it's some of the best, gorgeous, most well-done elevator music <laughs> you could ever hear. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so tranquil. It's interesting. Tranquil. It is, great, great word. It isn't just this music that um, is there. You know, it's non-intrusive, right? It's interesting. when You really listen to it. It's layered. There's there's uh you know at the risk of being pompous there's like a story to be heard if you're really listening to it you know what i mean there's a lot of i i adore this soundtrack so so much and this track is creme de la creme of of it
0: i had a hard time picking between this one and um the menu music when you're picking a you're choosing which map you're going to build on to begin with Mm-hmm. Um, this one I thought was a little bit more dynamic because it has that whole like you know kind of where everything breaks down and it just turns to a really really pretty part um but yeah this is this is really what I'm talking about as far as what she did setting this like alright everybody else who wants to make a Super Nintendo game this is what you're working with this is what <laughs> you can do because this was such an early Super Nintendo game mm-hmm. um at least in at least in North America, uh, and it's just yeah. such an important an important piece of that console's legacy, and uh, all the stuff that she did with with this and Pilot Wings in particular, which is Pilot Wings, another one, just astronomically important to what this what the Super Nintendo sounded like going forward. I I, I only have to it's... imagine that people looked at, uh, programmers played this game and Pilot Wings and said, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> right.
1: I, I feel like I I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. I feel like you're dancing around the the term. Made the Super Nintendo sing.
0: Yeah. No. That that's, that wasn't it, trying to dance around it. But that's it. She made the yeah. Super Nintendo sing. Absolutely.
1: It's it's that thing where it's just like, all right, guys, like, it, it's gonna be okay. We're we're gonna be okay. Just, <laughs> just this is what we're gonna do, and everyone's like oh, <laughs> just going out of their skull, you know? Yeah. At least maybe us. I don't know. Maybe And,
0: and, and like, like you said, tranquil as well. Cause that's, yeah. that's another thing that, uh, video game music is at, uh, definitely at the time and games being so action oriented and being able to really pull it back and make something so interesting for a more passive, almost PC gaming style experience on the mm-hmm. super Nintendo. I just don't think its importance can be can be overstated. It was it's it's masterful. Yeah. On the opposite side of the spectrum, we have what I think is uh, another one of her just most important pieces of work, and that is uh, her her what she did with Super Mario All Stars. These games were legendary when yeah. All Stars happened, but in retrospect, she was given the opportunity to m- do the music for the three NES Mario games, which are just some of the most influential video games of all time and make them 16-bit. And while <coughs> I argue that some of what she did in Mario 3 wasn't my favorite, mm-hmm. um, what she did in Mario 2 and specifically Mario 1 I think is incredible. Uh, she took Koji Kondo's original just, un- uh, just absolute masterpiece... And kind of made it her own. There's a little bit of a different different cadence to it, but really kind of f- kept that feeling that Kondo created for both the original Super Mario Brothers and in Super Mario World. Like, took that original piece and made it work in line with the kind of instrumentation that existed for Mario World and on the Super Nintendo the amount of pressure that I I, I... I can't imagine the amount of pressure that would go into something like this. Like, even at this point, Super Mario Bros. was the game that reinvented video games, for crying out loud. It yes. was... And that piece of music was already iconic at this point. And to be in charge of making the official 16-bit rendition of it I it must have been a Herculean task. Or at least had <laughs> it had a lot of pressure on it. And when you look mm-hmm. at... Um, I honestly, I don't know who did the, the music for the BSX Satellaview version of The Legend of Zelda, but you listen to the 16-bit version of the Zelda theme for that um, uh, BSX Zelda, it's nowhere near as comprehensive or as good as this. It sounds like cheap and hollow, whereas this sounds outstanding. And we're talking about the, the song I chose was the 1-1 overworld theme from super mario brothers that soyo oko absolutely knocked out of the park it's one of the one of the best video game tunes ever written and i think her rendition of it for super nintendo is masterful so let's listen to overworld from super mario all-stars enjoy is the super mario brothers overworld theme from super mario all-stars and there are so many wonderful little touches that she adds to that song and that Mm weren't in the original that don't step outside of the purview of the spirit of the original absolutely changing it from to, and that was something that got reprised in in lots of later things even even Kondo himself performed live like that I, I i've i've seen video of that which is really cool um the uh, uh yeah the little um what's the what's the word i'm looking for it's almost like that that very super mario world synthy part that kind of like trails like dah, 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 like kind of harmonizes in the background a little bit mm-hmm. um it is largely based on uh if you do the the special world music in Super Mario World if you leave it on that map screen it eventually turns into the Super Mario Brothers theme and so a lot of the instrument choices actually s- stem from that but this really just just takes it takes it a step further and thinking about the, the percussion in particular is another one like in the original 8-bit version it's just a like going on in the background and she took that and made it the hi-hat and then added a bass drum and a snare drum to it in not the most expected places. Really, just just keeping to the overall feel of the song, in in in, in a way that I never could. I, I think it's I think it's masterful. It's
1: you know it's a it's a huge undertaking to uh, take on what's got to be one of the most iconic pieces of music. Let alone in video game history. We're talking, you know. Pop culture history, right? Yeah. Um, but to do it with such grace and such elegance, um, like you said, to not step outside of the purview of the the pantheon that is Mario music, to stay right within those, you know, the coloring lines, so to speak, but to use such interesting and such vibrant crayons to do so, right? Mm-hmm. The steel drum. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how how many times later on in the Mario series period has the steel drum appeared and it's just fit right in, yeah. right? With whatever level, whatever style, whatever the theme was, right? Um, yeah, and even the subtle, like, uh, to your point, even the subtle, the the oh-so-subtle changes to the musical uh, composition, right? I, I don't want to say... That she made it better or worse or whatever. I think, to your point again, that um, uh, Kondo would play it later in concert. You know, quote unquote, her way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that you. It's a testament. You know, it's it's. I, I love seeing musicians who are fans of other musicians, right? And they take their work, and they they put their spin on it. And then when when this, the the initial musician hears it, they're blown away. Oh wow! I, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or like, I love what you did there. That's great, you know. And then they kind of take it on. All right? Just seeing musicians be musicians and fanboy or fangirl for other musicians is is fantastic. And um, again, Mario's such a, 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 a iconic. You know pop culture video game icon you know it's it's a big deal and this track is just gorgeous i remember playing all stars for the first time and hearing this for the first time and thinking "Ooh, okay you know all these years later i obviously like my attention's very different you know having all the live experience i have being in bands and stuff i listen to it now and i'm just like wow okay you know you go from you go from just being like excited to like I- excited exploratory you know i could listen to that for an hour and, and probably pick it apart and still come away you know with dark and gray areas that i didn't explore yet mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic it's just a fantastic um
0: redux if you will yeah really going in there and it's not just that song Know, plopped into the Super Nintendo, like I was saying with the uh, the BSX right. Zelda one, is just they just took the NES song and dropped it in there. Whereas this is the song was reinvented as if it was being written for this platform instead of redoing an NES song. Uh, yeah. I think she did a fantastic job and. It's why I think she deserves to be on uh, the. Uh, considered a master of VGM.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there.
0: Okay, next up we have another one of my most obvious picks, and that would be David Wise. <laughs> hey! <laughs> there he is. Uh, I adore this man's work. Obviously, if you've ever listened to this show before, you know how. uh how much i love david wise's work um let's see what did i write down in my script my third pick is david wise another one who shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's ever listened to the show before wise is known mostly for his donkey kong work more than anything but his career spans much farther than that besides his excep- his exceptional original works wise did some really amazing stuff converting arcade compositions to the nes for example, our first track from him, Wise comes uh, our first track from Wise comes from the NES port of Super Offroad, uh, which Rare developed for Trade West. Wise took on the task of adapting Sam Powell's original music from the arcade game to the NES and handled it in a way that most other arcade ports on the platform could only dream of. Even Konami's own arcade to NES ports like Turtles 2 the Arcade game I don't think can stand up to what Wise did in games like this or Marvel Madness. It's mm, Marvel it Madness. Right? It's this yeah. incredible skill, combined with his original compositions as well, that I feel genuinely earns him the title of Master of VGM. So this track is called Huevos Grande!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting all episode for you to say that.
0: Uh, this comes from the NES port of Super Off-Road. Now, there are other ports of Super oh. Off-Road where other people just did their own original songs for those ports, including Tim Fallon uh, did, I think, was the Genesis one or the Super Nintendo one. Either way, this was the NES port converted the original game's music, and this song is super cool. This whole soundtrack is great, and it sounds so good coming out of an nes uh and i personally think a lot of these songs sound even better than their original iterations which i also feel the same way about marble madness which is another uh, game that david wise converted somebody's original arcade work to nes for but either way this is huevos grande from super off-road for nes (laughs) by david wise enjoy song is, that song is really cool in the arcade game, um and there's as you can tell there's a lot going on in it uh, this would be a pretty easy song to mess up unless you were literally just dragging and dropping, but I Mm -hmm. think the way that David Wise put this together makes it really work for this system it's just extremely well it sounds so good (laughs) it sounds so complete almost like it was an original composition for this um, so yeah what do you think
1: Uh, i'm not really familiar with the um the arcade version uh so i'm i'm really just going to talk about what uh what's there um look david wise like if if you listen to 30 seconds of the show (laughs) ever you know what i mean you you know how chris feels about him i'm a big fan too the more I'm on the show, the more that I'm exposed to. I become a bigger David Wise fan, so it's kind of hard uh, for me not to be. But um, it's a it's a great piece of music. Uh, super off road, right? I mean, yep. this this song makes me want to race, you know, <laughs> a four x four out there, you know, jumping big dirt gaps and and all kinds of stuff. It's just it's a great like adventure tune, right? And you know, for what it is, right? To, to port it down from, excuse me, an arcade cabinet, right? That's no small feat, right? You mm-hmm. just mentioned that sometimes it can go sideways. Sometimes people didn't even attempt, and they just did their own thing, right? Uh, to port this down and still make it, uh, give it the feel of a big arcade game, it's tremendous, right? You can totally tell that it's, um, it's definitely a console, right? But there's still something inherently big about it. Um, and, then, and and there's no, tr- there's no audio tricks in there. Like, you know, I talked about it before where, you know, you'd hear some reverb or maybe some delay to give it some space and, and um, distance. But there's none of that there. This just feels big. It feels bigger than it actually is in a way that I can't quite quantify.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I might have to get back to you on it. But uh, all in all, just a, a fantastic piece of music. Yeah, no, I really.
0: The, 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 this this port of this game in general was outstanding, mm. um, but this uh, the music really really nails it, really really nails it. Just love it. <laughs> I will not fight you on it. <laughs> well, uh, so adapting other people's work to lesser hardware is certainly a a, a thing worthy of VGM mastery, uh, but also. Making your own stuff, which we haven't done Donkey Kong Country 2 on this show yet.
1: I I don't know how at this well, point. But I mean,
0: we did we did the original Donkey Kong Country, so uh, not that long ago. So two is probably coming up in the not too distant future. Uh, I know I've pulled a lot of tracks from. I really almost went with his uh, boulders uh, boulders realm from uh, Snake Pass, which is just such a wonderful. Encapsulation of how great he is with modern work, but I decided to jump back into some Donkey Kong Country Two because we haven't played it on the show yet, uh, and I wanted to go with one of my favorite songs that I think is a little, uh, a little underrated in terms of Donkey Kong Country Two soundtrack. You, know, you think of that 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 game, and what's the one that everyone goes to? A Sticker Bush Symphony, which is a, just one of the, the most amazing songs ever written. But I decided to go with Hothead Bop, which is <laughs> a just an outstanding piece of music that incorporates lava sound effects into the background. Um, it's really chill, and I love it. It's such a good tune. So here's Hophead Hothead Bop by David Wise from Donkey Kong Country 2. Enjoy. head Bob from Donkey Kong Country 2 and I tell you I cannot wait to do this episode
1: <laughs> it's such an interesting track um it I'll I'll start by saying I I have you have to love a song that uses bubbling lava <laughs> right yeah um it, like how could you not but um it's such an interesting track in a way that uh I like i could see a level in my head like if i had to conjure something up but almost to me i mean i'd have to hear it with everything else but i almost feel like it doesn't belong in that game but i mean who the hell am i right <laughs> uh otherwise i mean fantastic like just this interesting groove Real, real interesting choices in um, synthesizers, mm-hmm. right? Like almost that crystalline sound that I talk about all the time with um, wintry music, but a little toned down. Um, very high piano,
0: uh, just, right? Just, it's very atmospheric, and yes, and yet yeah, here it, it almost when you think of Donkey Kong music, this isn't really necessarily what would come to mind immediately. But yeah, when you hear the rest of the soundtrack in context, you're like. This whole game soundtrack is pretty much like this, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, knowing this soundtrack as is, is thoroughly as I do, this definitely is uh, a, a song among many that is like this. Um, but it, it's, it's always been one of my favorites. Um, this and Mining Melancholy, I think, are some of my favorites on the soundtrack because they have this very atmospheric feel to them like incorporating the lava bubbles into this the the, the song itself um, The more sea shanty flavored stuff even kind of kind of matches this in style because of its it's very you just kind of chill nature whereas the action of the game is carrying the action of the game but it's the, the music is not detracting from it but at the same time it isn't adding a ton of intensity until it wants to. Um, which is the, the the game does extraordinarily well, and, and the whole soundtrack does because David Wise is a freaking master. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but even just taken on its own, it's like uh, just listening to what came out of the what Soyo Oka did with the, the Super Mario Brothers theme. Right, and this mm-hmm. is the same platform, and mm-hmm. this is this is before CD quality music. Right, this is like just using samples is using a super nintendo to, and it's so so different and as far as just just tone and feel um how diverse the 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 music on the super nintendo can be uh those songs couldn't be more different, coming out of the same same darn game system, and even coming from Donkey Kong and Mario, like two relatively similar uh, franchises as far as like the platforming aspect of it goes. I mean, they even started in the same place, but goodness, just what he was able to squeeze out of the Super Nintendo! as far as just sounding like really, really interesting, interesting music. And it's, it's beautiful. It's just kind of sinister at the same time because you got that, that hot from the lava bubbles and stuff going out from underneath it. But also the beauty of just looking at the majesty of the backgrounds. You got all this flowing lava, which is, is beautiful. Like, it's these it's glowing oranges. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's such a wonderful tune that matches what's happening in the game. Uh, flawlessly, and I just just love it to death.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, not going to argue with you.
0: All right, and that brings me to our 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 last our last pick. Well, my last pick, not our last pick, um, which is probably the more the most out there of them, but uh, I I stand by it. My final pick is Naoki Kodaka. Uh, Kodaka's career, like uh, o- uh, Soya Oka's, isn't as extensive as your Yoko Shimomura's or even your Kojikandos, but I would argue that what Kodaka and his teams managed to squeeze out of the NES and the NES, the NES, oh, well. is nothing short of legendary, as you are soon going to hear. Um, Kodaka worked with Sunsoft, and I, I, I often float a little bit more towards sunsoft work than uh other people do um i just think that the sunsoft's output on the nes was just next level it it looks and sounds largely not always but largely so much better than what else was happening at the time Mm -hmm. um one of my absolute top 10 favorite games of all time is blaster master i've Frequently, not shut up about Blaster Master on this show before. <laughs> uh, so, but I do think that the soundtrack in Blaster Master, given its vintage, is uh, really just something out of this world. So, Blaster Master for NES released. Uh, I should have looked this up beforehand. This was a 1988 joint. So. <laughs> We aren't even in the nineties yet, okay? Like we're 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 nineteen eighty-eight. This is uh not super early, but not like we're we're in the middle of the NES's uh cycle here, and we're coming up with some really amazing compositions, but I wanna talk about just the sound of this song. This whole game soundtrack in particular, but the way it sounds seems like it's on a whole other platform. Mm-hmm and it's not it's just running on an nes but it sounds incredible uh the one i picked was area three because it's such a it's such an 80s tune but it also is really really emblematic of how complex the music can be with its key changes and stuff and just just how wonderfully full and impressive it sounds and this is before what the, the the techniques that came into play with um what uh, we'll listen to in there, uh, my second pick from Kodaka. But this is Area 3 from Blaster Master by Naoki Kodaka, and it's just some of the best darn music to ever come out of an NES. Enjoy. That's Area Three from Blaster Master. Um, I, <laughs> you just gotta wonder, as I do. I, I just listened to this, and I remember playing it for the first time and thinking this game looked and sounded unlike anything I had ever seen. There's, there isn't more detail. It just seems like there is. It's just a complete mastery of what the system was capable of to make music sound like this I, I it's truly you, marvelous you know you're absolutely right like
1: I'm listening to it and I'm thinking there's a lot going on here but when I really think about it what did I just listen to there wasn't a lot going on there right it's just a couple of simple instruments really just banging on all cylinders
0: yeah they're <laughs> working together to, they're, they're more than the sum of their parts and the, right. the same thing goes with these games visuals you look at I look at some of the monster designs; like they seem like they have all these moving parts, these really intricate designs. And then you really look at them, and like, no, they really don't. But they seem like they do because they are more than the sum of their parts. And that's that sums up the entire Blaster Master experience for me. Mm-hmm. And God, this music! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a great piece of music. I'm a big fan of this. It. Uh... To me, it's a it's a big um, it's a big touchstone sort of mm-hmm. to the Nintendo era of music. I feel like this is very Nintendo, but like but like again, to steal my own term, like Nintendo banging on all cylinders. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, this is some really standout stuff. Uh, you know, in in a in a sea of, of video game music, this really stands out to me.
0: Completely agree. It's such a standout piece, and on a, on a soundtrack that is almost nothing but standout pieces. Really, I love this soundtrack to death. But so the opposite side of the spectrum, later in the uh, the NES's life, Kodaka and his team, like Kodaka would do the compositions, and then he would work with these teams of um, programmers to do really cool things. And they kind of pioneered this extra fuzzy bass sound where they i believe and i could be getting this wrong because (laughs) i am i am i am but one man (laughs) i don't (laughs) i i i may be full of crap but i believe the way this works is that they used the uh, nes's sample channel to sample an actual bass sound to make this really unique kind of deep fuzzy bass noise and it's, it's attached to a lot of later Sunsoft games on the platform. The song I chose to highlight it and just the overall mastery of this craft uh, comes from Journey to Silius. This is Stage Music 2 by Naoka Kodaka, and it's a super cool song. So here you go. About music sounding more full than you would think the NES was capable of creating, uh, I just can't say enough good things about this song. It's so like that that fuzzy, crunchy bass noise that they use. Um, it, it's Kodaka himself didn't do it in, in other games like, uh, like like Mr. Gimmick, for example, but it happened in a lot of these later Sunsoft games and. I find it somewhat abrasive in places. Like, sometimes I just don't think it works. But, boy, when it works, it really comes together nicely.
1: All right. I'm going to put out a disclaimer right now. I'm about to curse. (laughs) Okay. All right. In three, two... What the f... (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Holy cow. Like, all right. All right, hang on a second. <laughs> I have to wrap my head around what I just heard because. <sighs> all right.
0: I take you're unfamiliar with Journey to Silius. <laughs> uh,
1: call me crazy, but I might have missed that one. <laughs> um, I think I might have a new contender for top three best video game songs of all time. <laughs> I cannot believe what you just played for me that song has blown me away i am gonna listen to this song all day today for the rest of the day i'm not even joking you that was among some of the best music i have heard in a while right and some of my favorite bands have put out new albums you know what i mean (laughs) this song that just played has blown not only my socks off it has blown my (laughs) wig off okay (laughs) First of all, it it like like a hammer. I'm telling you, it hits all of my like my leanings in music, right? I love industrial music. I just saw Frontline Assembly like 2 weeks ago. They were amazing, right? I love electronic music. Like I I'm sitting here and listening to this and I have this like dream of grandeur that I'm going to get back up on stage one day. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the song that I'm going to play when the lights go out. And we're gonna take stage. I'm not even joking, you. I was like, this song is amazing. And then the second part came in with that lead, and I was like, stop. (laughs) You have no business being this good. Sit down. You're disrupting the class. I'm sorry. (laughs) Holy cow. What was the name of this game again?
0: It's called Journey to Silius. And, uh,
1: yes, okay. I
0: believe it's on Nintendo Switch Online, as a matter of fact. Like, if you have NSO, this is just, this is on your system uh give it a whirl it's a hard game but the soundtrack's nuts man (laughs) the soundtrack's good
1: if this if this song is indicative of the rest of the soundtrack Mm -hmm. i'm i'm sold i'm looking really quickly because i know i used to own and have played several sunsoft games and i'm i'm scanning very quickly and obviously blaster master i had the batman game Uh, Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally. Oh, man. There's a few games here I'm seeing. Uh, uh, Spy Hunter. Fester's Quest. Yeah. Super Fantasy Zone. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Oh! Daffy Duck the Marvin Missions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
0: That's a a Super Nintendo one, I think.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, yeah. Now I'm getting further and further along. But still, those Nintendo games, you're absolutely right. They because cuz i'm sitting here going i know that sound i, I know i've played some alien syndrome alien syndrome oh my goodness wow yeah spy hunter right right yeah yeah you're right though the um the sunsoft uh i don't know orchestra i don't know what to call it. they 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 have a very uh, specific sound. um but this song wow just wow, I'm I'm I am <laughs> I'm so, I'm blown so away. Glad you liked
0: it, uh, yes. So, yeah, um, according to Wikipedia, again, not the, the, the greatest source in the world, but according to Wikipedia, most NES composers would use the digital channel for sampled drums and the other channels for melodic content. But for Journey to Silius, Kodaka, with the programming assistance of Nobuyuki Hara, Shinichi Saya, and Naoshi Naoshiya Marota, again, blanket apologies. Uh, Use the digital channel for a sampled bass line, and the triangle channel for a kick drum. It's such a cool piece, and like I said, this that that specific bass sound comes out of a lot of, like, um, if you've ever played Euphoria, or uh, as the Japanese game is called Hebereki, uh, or Mr. Gimmick, another great, great NES soundtrack, uh, again, Sunsoft that that kind of fuzzy bass even Batman Return of the Joker is probably what it's most famously from uh, used in that kind of really thick bass sound Um, I believe it originally stems from Journey to Cilius uh, which itself has a a really fun history it was uh, originally built as an adaptation of Terminator um, but Mm -hmm. then they lost the license to make a Terminator game and so they just kind of changed things up (laughs) So, just enough that you just wouldn't enough to notice. make it like like the Terminator or something. Super cool game uh, and a wonderful soundtrack, and I think is, is an excellent display of why Naoki Kodaka deserves to be a master of EGM.
1: And oh man, I, I have I'm sitting here right now staring at the uh, OST when when we when we end this episode i am going to listen to it while i do household chores i might break stuff i don't know i'll report back next episode
0: (laughs) it's good stuff and uh they're ollie's Ollie's done a couple of uh during his covers of course he has (laughs) of course he has like who are we kidding something more for you to look forward to and uh that did that's it that wraps it up for me and that wraps it up for our show join us again next time when matt will bring us his for masters of vgm i am very much looking forward to it
1: i can't wait to see what he comes up with <laughs> yeah. wait yeah i can't wait to see what he comes up
0: with. <laughs> <laughs> same here <laughs> all right, uh, we here at the Waveback Podcast are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating with you when we can, and we have a couple of ways you can do that. There's the Geek Discord channel, in which we have a Waveback chat where we frequently discuss all manner of stuff relating to video game music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. We also have a Waveback Forum page over on Facebook that I pay almost no attention to. Uh, <laughs> but if you really want to dive in, you can find it by searching for Waveback on Facebook. Of course, you can still always send us an email at mail at geekade.com, and while you're at it, check out all our social media channels, which you should totally follow, totally follow, like, and subscribe to if you haven't already, and be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. We're going to leave you with a similar song to what we left you with last time. In the previous episode, we listened to Hiptonaka's beautiful Balloon Kid ending theme, and this time we're going to leave you with one of my absolute favorite ending themes of all time for any platform ever— and that is Rocket Ship Ride from Super Mario Land. Another example of Tanaka just doing, just doing the Game Boy justice. And uh, really just a great piece to, to leave people with. So that's what I got. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks all of our fellow podcasters that are involved in Masters of VGM uh, for bringing up this wonderful uh, situation here. I'm really happy to have been a part of it. And uh, looking forward to hearing what everybody else has. And that's it. Thanks for listening everybody.